Ladies and gentlemen, the recipients of the National Jefferson Award and the number one New York Times best-selling author, your host, Dave Pelzer. Hello, America and world at large. This is your host, Dave Pelzer, as always, speaking to you in my own voice, attempting to try to save America and the world at large from itself, starting with me. So once again, I want to Thank you all with, all, again, all that's going on in the world. We're entering summer here. Lots of plans, lots of things to do, things to explore, family time, making a lot of good memories. I just want to thank you for taking your valuable time, as busy as everyone is. Seems like we're not slowing down too much. We're always doing something, which is good. That's positive. Movement is life, and life is good movement. So thank you for giving us a listen. I so appreciate it. Every time I do a show, it makes me want to be better and do better for you and, you know, family and friends and those in my community and just even complete strangers. It just makes me want to just kind of like slow down a little bit, be a little bit less judgmental, be a little bit more patient, you know, those random acts of kindness that we talk about so much. And they truly do make a difference. I always tell people, if you're having a bad day, step outside of your box and do three nice things for complete strangers and see how you feel and be genuine with your sincerity. There's a good note. Write that down. Be genuine in your sincerity. So thank you for being sincere enough to listen to the show. We know we get new listeners. And all I ask is give us uh, one or two shows. Uh, I'm not your best host, but I always attempt to give you my absolute best. It's common sense advice to hopefully improve your life and a little bit of smile, a little bit of little bit of humor at times. But I, I think prudent information with, with all that's going on, I think so important. It's so important to be nice to, 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 to other folks. So thank you again for listening. And as always, I'd like to ask, how are you? How are you doing today? How are you doing right now? Because we had Memorial Day weekend, getting all ginned up. There are lots of plans. Lots of people are going to make trips. And that can add to a lot of stress, particularly if you have more than a dog, a cat, or a child, for goodness sakes. It's always going to be something for goodness. You can. I remember my mom used to have a bucket list. I mean, I mean a list duh, 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 of all the millions of things she had to pack to take us to the Russian River. And she was the force, the driving force behind the family. And oh, my goodness. And that really is, I mean, I've taken my son as a young person to the Russian River, and that was a lot of work. And that was just one one, one good boy. Stephen was always uh, on it. He liked to take trips. He was cooperative, good traveler, everything. But I just want to make sure that we're not all stressed out. I know there's a lot going on in the political world. That's never going to change. It's just a new way of politics, I guess. There's a lot of white noise out there, and I think we have to be selective. We have to be selective on how much drama we allow into our life and the time and energy involved. I talked to a dear friend of mine and, and, and a mentor of mine, and he just gets all wound up in politics. I mean, we, we were actually talking about my grandkid, and somehow uh, we, we, we switched rails. <laughs> And I can just feel his heart just pumping faster and the anxiousness in his voice. I'm like, my goodness, my goodness. And when people get all amped up, I have a tendency to just slow down. 
trying not to be overly judgmental, but I'm going, wow, I'm kind of glad I'm not that person. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't think I was. Oh, my goodness. And sometimes in life, you know, you got to be humbled. I've said it before, and I'll say it a million times before I die. If COVID taught us anything, it taught us that life is so precious, it can and will affect one of us, if not all of us, at any time and any place. And maybe it humbled us just a little bit. So always remember, my good friends, and all that you do, take care of you. All right. Uh, before we begin, and I forgot to mention on the last show, I apologize. Uh, we still have some books that I'd be more than happy to give out. Uh, the, the new book, Return to the River, is doing very well, and we've got a lot of great reviews, and I'm so appreciative. It's, it's amazing uh, when you tell a story. In my case, there's a story behind a story. There's lots of threads, and some people just either breeze right through it or don't see it, or they see uh, what I call the, 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 the car crash on the highway. That's all they see. But with this book, Return to the River, there are so many threads about family dynamics, and it really is a, a love story of sorts. It really, truly is. And this one lady gave us a beautiful review, and it, it just made me emotional because I'm going, okay, she got it. Every little thing that I was trying to do, she picked up on that. And then afterwards, you know, calling people up and making amends or, you know, mending, uh, mending better fences. So if you would like a copy of my latest book, Return to the River, free of charge, I'll sign it for you, personalize it, put it in the mail. Uh, go to my website, DavePelzer.com, and at the top part of the website, I believe, there's a, uh, a thing that says radio or uh, the Dave Pelzer Show. Click on that, and then give us your address. If you know that someone got, might need a book, hey, my sister is not doing too well. My friend's going through a divorce. Uh, uh, my, 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 my friend is in the hospital. Be more than happy to do that. Uh, what it was is I forgot that my publishers, uh, I guess it's in the contract, they, they gave me some books. I wasn't expecting, oh, wow, that's a lot of books. And, and I'd, it'd be my honor and privilege to give some away, particularly if you're a listener and you like the show. Let me, let me give you a book. All right. Enough of that. Uh, boy, Memorial Day weekend. You know, it's, uh, I've been doing this for many years now. Uh, I lived up in Sea Ranch in North Sonoma Coast, a tippy top right on the coast, the northern part of the county. You know, we have a little Memorial Day picnic. It's nothing fancy. A lot of stations there, I mean, uh, they bury pigs. You know, they roast the pig and they bury it on Friday night and do all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, really fancy stuff. And all we do is we have hamburgers and hot dogs. But we have the coleslaw kings compete for the coleslaw. And we have the, the folks that make the beans. This is like a top secret mission. No one's allowed to see what ingredients they put in the beans. No one. Oh, my gosh. I'm going, well, you know, I got a top secret clearance. Nope, I'm not allowed. And it's really nice because... The community gets together, and we have a lot of activities for the kiddies. Uh, you know, the sack race and balloon toss and Smokey the Bear makes a, a rare guest appearance. Code 3 on a fire engine, and no one's allowed to know who Smokey is. I'm going, where's Bob? Where's Joe? <gasps> Uh-oh, okay, the fix is in. And what I like about it is just seeing kids with kids, 
It's in my day and age, we, we played with a stick. We played cops and robbers. We played uh, find the Nazis. We, we were the American Rangers uh, trying to find Nazis in our backyard, you know. And nowadays, a lot of indoor activities, you know, everything's on laptops and PlayStations. And it's rare for me to see kids on a bicycle nowadays. I mean, I, I remember being in foster care one time, and I lived in this Leave it to Beaver neighborhood. I was a scrawny little teenager, and for the first time, I played. Usually, I would work 40 hours a week in junior high in foster care, but this one neighborhood, I stayed there for maybe six, eight weeks, and it changed my life. And I would just remember just bursting to get out of bed, do my little chores, whatever, and just go outside and meet my friends, my brothers Paul and David. And we did everything, but we did absolutely nothing. Sometimes we would just sit and talk about our futures or our dreams and our hopes and, you know, the, the walking that road, that path. What are we going to do? And it was peaceful. And as I've grown older, as I'm sure some of you too, you reminisce about life and loss. With life, there is a fair amount of loss. Friends change, friends move. Families change, families move. Love kind of shifts around a little bit. And there's other losses involved. But I love Memorial Day weekend. And uh, the first year I did a, uh, the cookout with the uh, Sea Ranch Fire Department, I think we had 150 people, which is pretty good. And next year it was like maybe 180, 195, something like that. And it slowly increased to just about 200, 225. And then COVID hit the fan. You know, it was just crazy. And then uh, last year we, we, we opened it up. And we had about, I think, 300 people. And it was amazing because families wanted to get out. And a lot more families were getting out of what I call the concrete jungle. And they just wanted to just sit and relax. And what I like about the Memorial Day weekend picnic is you see people my age in their 60s with their kids in their 30s and 40s, with their little babes. And I think that is so beautiful and so peaceful. It is amazing how we, 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 we want grandiose things, and we want them now. You know, whether it's the, the, the nice car, the 100-inch the TV, for goodness sakes, or, or, you know, whatever it is. And yet, if you really stop and think about it, the things that we really find our solace in is, you know, just being outdoors, taking a walk. You know, in my case, I, I have this small little deck, and it's filled with flowers. I actually, I think I'm a floweraholic. I have, oh, my gosh, there's not one practically an inch of that. You can't look in any direction not see flowers and plants inside and outside my little townhouse. <laughs> I think I am a floweraholic. But I love standing on the deck and just looking at, the bright and patient flowers, or I have an eight-foot string of ivy that goes from the top to the bottom of, of my deck. Uh, just the small little things. The nature, the waterfall, the ferns, the trees, the groves. You know, it's always those little things that I really think make an impression upon us. Because life is short. Life is so short. And with that, it... it uh, let me, before I get to that, uh, I just want to say that we did have, I think, over uh, 700 people. 700 people in our little uh, <laughs> picnic. And it was getting so bad, I went up to the, uh, we call them IC, the, people, the person who runs the entire military operation. There's logistics, like, it's, it's a military op. 
went up to the IC, the incident commander. I said, boss, I think Houston, we have a problem. We're going to need a bigger boat. What's wrong? We're, we're out of hamburger patties. What? Yeah, we, were, we ran out of hamburger patties. And, and they sent me down to the store, and I came back with 30 pounds of extra hamburger meat. And I think uh, six, uh, half a dozen things of ketchup, a couple things of big mustard, mayonnaise. <laughs> it was insane. But it was so, and I took a few photos. I normally don't because I'm busy working the grill, you know, flipping those burgers. And I deliberately stopped to take a photo. And what I really liked, too, is I got to see some of my firefighter family that I haven't seen in a while. Some have moved on. Some have moved away. Some have basically retired. And, you know, seeing the folks that I trained right before I left, and now they're in a the position that they're driving the engines and making good decisions. And I thought, gosh, this is, this is great. The one thing I've done since my divorce is I've taken a lot of photos, and then I look at them, and I studied them, and it makes me smile. And I'm looking for smiling. I, I have a weird smile when I take photos. I'm always the court gesture. And it's nice to see other people smile with me. And that really, really makes, a, you know, it, it, it settles me. Does that make sense? Mrs. Howard, uh, Dave Howard's mom, I've never told this story. This is kind of a weird thing. When I would visit a few years, maybe five, ten years before she passed away, she had this mound, different mounds, several mounds of pictures. And Howard, Dave Howard and I, we couldn't figure out why. And she would just stick her hand in the mound and pull out a picture and tell us a story. And we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. You're losing it, miss. And, and thinking about it now, it was forcing her to remember that time, that era, that, that place in her life. And yet, it made her smile. And when I take photos, I deliberately smile. And I'm trying to look at the photo or the person I'm taking a photo with, and hopefully I made them laugh or, you know, did something stupid to get them to smirk a little bit. It is truly amazing. I think we just need to kind of slow down a little bit and take more pictures. That's why I have that, uh, it's called Next Play, I think. It's a digital camera or digital frame. Uh, you download it from your phone, whatever, and, and, uh, and it's it's amazing. I I should buy stock in it because I, I may have to buy more frames, especially with my grandson in there. But with that, this kind of ties into something, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, particularly for my generation and the generation before me, it's, it's, it's starting to kind of happen. You know, we're seeing people of such greatness and people who had such an influence in our lives in one way or another and I'm sad to say, and I'm sure you know this, it's a few days old now, is the great one, Miss Miss Legs. Miss Tina Turner passed away at age 83. Proud Mary, proud Tina. She just, I got to tell you, that lady just kept on rolling. And and there was a movie in the 90s. If you haven't seen it, it is, it's kind of shocking to watch. And it really shocked me several times. I think it's called What's Love Got to Do With It? And if I'm correct, Angela Bassett plays Miss Turner, Tina Turner, and Lawrence Fishburne, I believe, plays the, the psychotic, I, I, there's no words, the monstrous husband, uh, Ike Turner. And there's two scenes that really stand out. Ike is throwing a big party, 
and you know there's 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 couples and you know and the music and alcohol or <laughs> a drug or two and Miss Turner is in a glass telephone booth basically a glass telephone booth sized and she's singing she's supposed to lay down tracks as people all around her are partying and doing whatever they want and Ike's kind of glaring and pointing his finger, no, do this, do that, cut, cut, I want this, I want that, in the middle of this party. And Tina, I guess, has had enough in, in, a, in a scene afterwards. says, I can't do this. My voice is hoarse. This is crazy. This, this is not a way to do this. And Ike clears the entire house, gets into a shouting match with Tina, and, and I think strikes her down and grabs her, by the roots of her hair and drags her down a hallway. And I can't imagine how you can stunt that gag, as they call it. They're called gags when you do stunts in films. Or how many takes. Or the intensity of both the actors. And it just breaks my heart. It's amazing to see people uh, do something, but you don't know what they've done behind the scenes. Uh, 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 I've, I've, I've learned that when I traveled on the road, I might be physically sick, but yet I had to just kind of suck it up and maybe do four or five presentations a day. And I had the energy and, 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 but yet I couldn't eat. So, you know, or I, I would have a flu or I remember uh, watching a performer, uh, I guess she was a singer and, and she was getting right before she was going on stage, her, her, her pantyhose got ripped and she was still bleeding because I guess she shaved her legs. But the show goes on. You just fix it up as best you can. And it's always amazing to me how the great ones make it look so simple. Tina Turner, I mean, Miss Legs. I mean, from her, her, her legs went as far up to her neck, for goodness sakes. And she was such a powerful voice. A powerful voice. And if you're, you know, a young person, maybe in your 20s, 30s, even 40s, and you've never heard of Tina Turner, Listen, listen, listen to Proud Mary. Listen to Tiny Dancer, and I do remember, which was sad, when they finally divorced, and and Tina became a, a, a I believe a Buddhist, you know, with all that all that pain and, and and all that abuse, she just wanted a Zen-like, quiet life, and everybody kind of said, you can never sing again. Ike will not allow you to sing his songs that you made. Okay. And I believe there was a, a producer that just loved her, loved her work, and says, you know, we're going we're to reinvent the new Tina Turner. And that's so hard to do, particularly with female performers. Once you're at a certain age, that's it. I can't believe Madonna and I think Cher is still out there a little bit too. You know, when you reach a certain age, you know, if you're over 35, you're done. My goodness. And Tina came back in the mid-'80s. She came back with Tiny Dancer. And then she came back, uh, she... Uh, worked with Mel Gibson on the film uh, Beyond Thunderdome, Mad Max. Perfectly played. And then, of course, the creme de la creme is when you sing a James Bond song, that's it. That is the pinnacle. And she did uh, Pierce Bronson's James Bond, uh, Goldeneye, with Pierce's first appearance as 007. And then she slowly, slowly faded out. And she's always been kind to strangers because, in part, and, and you'll see that in the movie, too, uh, what Les got to do it, there's a scene in which they get into another argument and basically Tina either rolls out of a moving car to get away from Ike and just tries to hide. 
And this was a true story. Uh, I, I, I checked it out at the time. She walks into this Holiday Inn in Southern California, and she's battered and bruised, and, and oh my gosh, like she just came from a war zone. And she said, I, I can't tell you who I am. I don't have any money. Can you please, please help me? I'll get your money any way I can, but I just need a place to stay. I would like to shower. I would like a meal. And, 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 and I just want to get some sleep, please. And this, this scene was so beautiful, because if I remember correctly, this uh, 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 white gentleman clasped her hands. And he gently said, I know who you are, Miss Turner, and nothing, nothing will happen to you. I will protect you. I will have my staff give you whatever you desire, and this is on us. And he basically said, thank you for all that you do, the joy that you bring with that sultry voice of yours. Remember, we talked about that, those random acts of kindness. Mm. You just never know what that person is going through, for goodness sakes. On another note, and again, Tina was 83. About a day or so after that, this didn't make national news, but it really uh, came very unexpectedly in, in, in the Air Force world, particularly with the... Uh, uh, the Blackbird program, the SR-71 uh, spy plane Blackbird. There was a, a gentleman named Brian Scholl, and he was what we call a sled driver. That's what we called the Blackbird, the sled. Uh, he uh, was a Vietnam pilot. He actually uh, survived a crash that burned, I think, a third of his body. And they said, one, you're out of the Air Force. Two, you will never fly again if you stay in the Air Force. And he somehow got the gumption to, to do all the therapy and the rehab, stayed in the Air Force, and eventually, the creme de la creme, was a pilot for the SR-71. And uh, he did retire years ago and had a few books that we'll talk about here. And uh, he did some, you know, speaking, some inspirational speaking, and d did some comedy. And there's something called, I believe, um, L.A. Airspeed Check. <laughs> And basically, uh, he's out there flying with the SR-71, and he hears, uh, I think it's uh, Oakland Center, Oakland Control. They control a certain amount of West Coast uh, air traffic. And there was a small little Cessna, and it says, like, L.A. Center, uh, airspeed check. Uh, I have you, uh, Cessna, at uh, 74 knots. Thank you. Click. And there was a Beechcraft that came behind that and says, hey, uh, Beechcraft, blah, blah. Uh, airspeed check. Mm, I have you at 125, 125, 125 miles per hour. Check. And right after that, there was a F-18 driver. <laughs> and, and, uh, Oakland Center airspeed check. Uh, I have you at uh, 430, 430. And Brian comes back uh, about 80,000 feet above <laughs> the earth. Uh, Oakland Center, uh, Aspen 3-0, airspeed check. Uh, airspeed is 1,900 miles per hour. Uh, that's a negative. We calculate uh, 2,000 miles per hour. Aspen out. And it was just the way he said it. It was so cool. And what he did, and he's famous, uh, he retired. And, and every year there's a little convention with the... Uh, Anything to do with the SR-71 from Lockheed or, or, or the folks that built it, maintained it. 
and, and the pilots and RSOs, the reconnaissance systems officers that sits behind the pilot and does all that radar stuff, mapping and so forth. And, and sometimes they have, you know, the tanker pilots and crews like myself and what have you. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's something that Brian's owned for many years. He always does a program there. And unfortunately, uh, uh, a few days ago, I think it was like last Saturday, uh, or now two weeks ago, I apologize. He did a presentation, physically stepped off stage, and passed away. I mean, right in front of everybody. And he was only 73. Now, he was known for the book, and I'll say it slowly for you if you can find it. It's, 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 it's uh, someone... Actually, uh, one of my mentors I, I gave the book to years ago, he says, wow, that book is now a national treasure. The book, if you can find it, is called Sled Driver, S-L-E-D Driver. And what it is, it's, it is, there's a lot of text in there, but their photos are just out, outstanding. Imagine seeing the curvature of the earth at sunrise. He takes these photos, and I don't know how he did it, because I don't even know if that was, like, even legal. I mean, because I can be considered fought for an object damage if you drop the camera in the cockpit. Oh, my gosh. And what it is, too, they wear these space shuttle suits. They're called Dave Clark uh, suits. And they have gloves and the helmets and everything's pressurized. And uh, the cockpit itself is about, uh, gosh, maybe 200 degrees plus. I mean, they used to take their packs of food, put it, on the windshield, basically, to warm up <laughs> their food and suck it through a straw through the helmet. And I don't, the, the photos are just unbelievable. You know, and they show like mid-air refueling or takeoff and landings and all the things they, 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 they do. And it's just, I, I, I knew Brian for many years. Uh, we met when my books were doing well and his books were doing well. And a uh, very confident man. <laughs> I'm saying that lightly. But in that profession, you have to be confident. And it just kind of shocked me a, a little bit to, to, to lose someone like Ms. Turner and to lose someone from our, you know, Air Force family. And it really, the texts and tweets and went around the world with this gentleman. And it made me stop and think about, hmm, I'm 62, 83, 73. Gosh, man, I'm getting up there. And I bumped into a friend because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to step out of my box. I always say, well, I'll practice chipping or putting when it comes to golf. I'll do that next week. I'll do that next month. And one of these days, I'm going to golf. One of these days. And what I try to do is, is just step out of my box and get out. And I noticed that I, there, there was a gentleman friend I made. And he looks like, swear to God, Doc Brown, Back to the Future. The wispy hair. He's got that little gravelly voice, and I always call him Doc. What's up, Doc? Are we going back to the future, Marty? And, and I hadn't seen him in many months, and I finally saw him a couple days ago. And I said, Doc, what happened? <laughs> Did you crash the DeLorean? What'd you do? He says, well, come over, and I'll tell you. I don't want to tell everybody. And that he had uh, prostate cancer. And I'm like, what? You're walking around? And, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. And he said something to me that really kind of just, wow, you know, made me realize, again, how humble you can become. He said, having that cancer was the best damn thing that ever happened to me. 
And the way he said it, he meant it. Because now he has a new lease on life. It might be 10 years, it might be 20 years, who knows. But the fact that he says, I want to make everything count. You know, and he's chomping on his cigars and he says, I got to, you know, work on my diets. I got to exercise a little bit more. But, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing when bad things happen. Either they can, you know, break you down or you can use those pieces that you can put together and build yourself back up. Does that make sense? Whether it's a divorce or a medical situation, a loss of a loved one, a terrible situation that is constant. You know, I, I, I say this again. Every day our kids come home from school is a blessing, particularly in this day and age. I just cannot imagine raising a child in this day and age. I cannot imagine being a young person in this world we have today. And maybe because I guess all the old generations say that and do that. But it is challenging. It is challenging in a sense. Life humbles you so easily. I've always said that maybe me being smacked around for the first 12 years of my life was, and I have to say this carefully because I don't want to like upset anybody, but maybe it was a blessing of some sense. There was a line in the movie, uh, Cast Away. And it's, 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 it, it wasn't an I'll be back type line or go ahead, make my day. It was a simple line. And, and I remember listening to the audience react and half of them didn't, but the ones that did, I mean, it really struck my heart. The line in Castaway, after coming back from an island, being cast away in this deserted island for many years, somebody uh, comes up to Tom Hanks and says, how's it going? What's it like to be back home? Well, wow, what's, what's going on for you? And Tom Hanks just smiles and says the line, I have ice. Kind of says everything. You know, uh, it, it, when I moved in to my little townhome, I, I brought a, bought a brand new refrigerator and it went out for like eight months. It just didn't work. It was a solenoid thing that wasn't doing what it was supposed to do and we couldn't get the part or something of something of something. And for eight months, I had to bring home bags of ice, throw them in the cooler into the shower stall of my guest bedroom. And now that it's fixed, I have ice. My biggest thing is I love clean sheets. When my mother stabbed me by accident when I was a child, it was not premeditated. I really thought we were going to go to the hospital. And I thought, okay, this is such a horrible situation. She couldn't, she couldn't fix it. She couldn't hide it. She couldn't control it. You know, even though she was a nurse and she's trying to, like, bandage me up as best she could, I remember fainting in and out. And I remember smiling to myself because I thought, wow. I'm going to go to the hospital, and I'm going to have clean sheets. Clean sheets. I'm at the point where I have two or three pairs of sheets, and I can change them anytime I want. I can eat anything I want. I can walk. I can talk. I have a blessed life. My higher power, through random acts of kindness at the right time and right place, shaped my life, molded my life, saved my life. And that's why I desperately try to attempt to be kind and be nice and bring on to others. I have ice. 
Unbelievable. So now that we live, you know, in a semi-post-COVID world, you know, make these days count, particularly with all the summer we have in front of us, 700 people. That's a lot of hamburgers, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, moving on, switching gears just a little bit here. Uh, uh, I, I, I have to tell you something. <laughs> and if you have not seen this, if you don't have Netflix, get it. This is, it's, it's going to be huge. It's huge now. It's going to explode even more. There's a series called Fubar. F-U-B-A-R. Uh, uh, I, uh, <laughs> it means basically fracked up beyond any recognition. And it's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's first time doing a, a series. And he plays a CIA operative that is retired but has to be brought back in to save another operative who happens to be his daughter. Oh, my God. So she's been undercover for years. Arnold's been undercover for 40 years, and they're trying to work together. And it's, it's Keystone Cops meets Mission Impossible. <laughs> and it's funny as heck. You, you, and this, I think, is a perfect outlet for Arnold because he's got the cigar. He's chomping on the cigar. There's bad guys. There's stunts. And the storyline is so thick. And the, the, the co-stars, everybody is so amazing in this thing. And it's really about family dynamics. Not making the mistake that uh, Arnold's trying to tell his daughter, you've got to get out. You, you engaged and you're, you're lying to your fiancé. And I did this to your mother. And now we're divorced. You don't want to end up like me. And there's some parts that are really touching. Very touching. It's about... You know, stop and look at where you're at and where you're going and where you're going to be 5, 10, 20 years from now. And it kind of hmm, pulled on a thread with me like, wow, what if I did this different? You know, I didn't take the call or I put the, the business first, doing my little job to save my little world, per se. And, it, it, and everybody does it. You know, we're never going to get teeter-totter perfect when it comes to life. It's always going to be a little bit up little bit of down. None of us are going to get it perfect. None of us are going to get it right. But it's a, it's, it's a great, it's fun to watch. It's, there's only eight episodes. The writing is beyond fantastic. It's just, if, if you just want an escape, uh, <laughs> remember the Brady Bunch and uh, the Waltons, <laughs> the House in the Prairie, now there's Fubar. <laughs> All right. And with that, um, I had, uh, you know, we talked about taking pictures and so forth. And I had this rare, rare opportunity. Uh, I, I took a few days off. I did some work, but did it took a few days off. And, 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 and I always like to go down to the ocean and, and just disappear. And I like my privacy. And, and, and whenever, hey, Dave, how are you? How are you? You know, and I give everybody a minute and you know, and, and a photo, or if I have an extra book, I sign it and do something like that, which is fine. But I like to go to this one uh, uh, restaurant. They have this tiny little bar, and I saw across the bar, uh, right in front of me in the corner of the bar, my old golf instructor, uh, this gentleman, who gave me my first golf lesson. I, never, I didn't even pick up a golf club, and I didn't know what he was trying to convey about chipping or hitting or doing this or doing that. He was like... Obi-Wan Kenobi talking to young baby Skywalker. And, 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 and the gentleman is a very private person, you know, retired. 
And, and he kind of gave me the look like, hey, you can come over and talk to me. And we talked for just a few seconds. And he doesn't like to take photos in public because he, he used to do that. And people would forge his name and sell him. He says, I'm not doing that anymore. And, and I kind of asked him without asking, like, sir, would you mind? I held up my cell phone. And, and people are like, oh, you can't talk to him. And, and, and my golf instructor says, hey, I know this guy, Pelzer. You know, he's, he's all right. And I thought, wow, thank you, sir. And, and we talked for just a second or more, and we took a photo. And I, and, and I didn't look at it. I mean, I looked at it, okay. And yet a couple of days later, I really looked at the photo. And, and the, you know, I'm 62, and, and I think he's like 93. And, and the smile, the genuine smile, and we shook hands like one, two, three. And I remember trying to let go, but he held on for just an extra half second. And looking at the photo, his eyes were kind and genuine. And it's nice to be on that other side. And it's weird. I have taken photos with, you know, people like Mr. Schwarzenegger, the president, and, 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 and people that I deeply admire. And I've only got one, I think, in a frame, uh, Don Campbell was a uh, crew chief for the SR-71. And when we retired it in 1990, there was a you know big to-do, and I got to see him. He was a retired chief. And I have a photo of Mr. Campbell, Chief Campbell, my son and I. And that's in a frame. That's a big thing for me. And yet, I, I don't have the other ones in frames. It's weird. It, it's, it's like I don't want to waste the, the, the time or the energy or take up the space. And it, to me, it's like I know where they're at. And when I pass away, oh, my God, that's Dave with so-and-so. Or that's Dad with so-and-so. But this one I have with my golf instructor. And then it just, again, reminds me, you know, there's 73, 83, and, and, and my friend 93. And it just makes me smile all the more. Does that make sense? If you're having a bad day, you know, just go through those mounds of pictures pull out seven pictures and take one full minute to study them. Where were you at? Where were you going? What were you doing? How were you feeling? And hold them. Hold them in your heart. Put them in a digital frame, for goodness sakes. I love to cook, and I got my digital frame spooling up. There's a thousand photos of my little grandson, for goodness sakes. And there's other photos that are very private to me, very happy moments. And sometimes when I'm not having the best day, those pictures and those moments really do pick up my spirits. It's kind of like you have to make your time. And you have to make your time count. Because in the course of this life, you never know what events may transpire. All right. Well, I tried to keep it short for you folks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always get a little windy there, a little winded. I know that. But I want to thank you all for listening to the show. And once again, if we can give you a book, please let us do that for you or someone that you know that can really use a, a, good, a, a good story. So as always, I want to thank my friends with Pat Metheny Group and Mr. Metheny for allowing us to do his music. Uh, his, uh, we have, in the Return to the River, we have two pieces of Pat Metheny as theme pieces for the book. So, as always, ladies and gentlemen, please take good care of yourself. Do as much as you can for as many as you can for as long as you can. Please keep the faith because you never know what the tide's going to bring in the next day. 
So until next time, my friends, take good care, good day, good luck, and God bless. Thank you.